looking at other comedians and myself, I always thought interacting with the crowd achieves a lot of things. One, it seems more spontaneous, and like you just said, bringing them in. And I always admired guys who could do that. So I'm always looking at it as an advantage. Even when somebody interrupts my show, I'm always looking at ways to incorporate it in. Welcome back to the Nervous Comic Podcast with stand-up comedian Tim Kabashik. I'm Elaine Elrod of Active Listening Productions. This is part two of an interview with Tim. To listen to the first part of the interview, look for episode two, part one. I hope you enjoy the rest of the interview. What advice would you give to someone who might be listening and wants to try stand-up comedy? You start from the beginning and you try to get a five-minute set. I would recommend reading the comedy Bible and Zen and the art of stand-up comedy. I would also get your thick skin ready. Because <laughs> <laughs> if things don't go well, it's not the end of the world, uh, but nobody likes it. And it's a long process, so be prepared for that too. So how do you get your thick skin ready? What are some ways to do that? I think couple things to keep in mind is when the wheels fall off you know it's, it's very it's devastating but after a show people forget you, you know? <laughs> 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 in your mind you're gonna go <laughs> you're gonna go to work tomorrow and the bus driver's gonna go oh, I heard you really tanked the set last night at Yuck Yucks on your five minute show but nobody knows they're gonna be like Oh, there's that guy wasn't funny, but the guy with the belt was kind of funny. <laughs> this is how they know us: the guy with the belt, the guy with the hair. And in fact, I did this set at the Comedy Factory, and it was this crowd that had been there all day, bowling, drinking, laser tag, dinner, more drinks. And so I did a spot, and it was really hard for me. I didn't think it went over well at all. I was a little down about it, but I got through it. I didn't hear a lot of laughter. And then after the show, I was in the men's washroom and I was in one of the stalls and some of the other people had come in and they were talking and I could hear them and they said, well, what do you think about that show? Well, I, it wasn't very good. I didn't enjoy it very well. And he said, yeah, well, what about that guy with the jacket, right? <laughs> Which was me. And I'm thinking, oh, no. <laughs> now they're going to lambaste me. And I'm <laughs> stuck in this cube, you know, in the stall. And I can't escape, you know. And, and what are they going to say? It's like, oh, he was the worst. I thought, you know, I was ready for it. You know, I'm like, oh, no, no. And they said, the guy in the jacket was the funniest guy on the show. We really liked him. <laughs> and I was just like, thank you. <laughs> and it was just like this victory and I was like but I wish I would have opened the stall and said something like hey and you get your free lifetime membership to the Nervous Comic Fan Club I mean I was so excited you know and but it was such a, a weird moment right? yeah you know? sounds like something out of a situation comedy <laughs> yeah I was uh, yeah, it was awesome of course those are written by comedians so <laughs> well I don't know 
What is the hardest thing about doing stand-up comedy? There are many hard things. <laughs> <laughs> Connecting with the crowd is very hard and maintaining that having a bad set and keep going is probably the hardest because it doesn't matter where you are. When you're inexperienced, it seems worse, but don't kid yourself. Any comedian from any level, you know, the Seinfelds and the Cosbys and Chris Rocks, they have a bad set. They're disappointed mm. and it hurts. Mm. And, oh my gosh, those guys, you know, I mean, Kevin Hart and his 50,000 audience member show I mean that had to be bang on you know mm -hmm. I, I can't imagine having 50,000 people go no <laughs> <laughs> my biggest a crowd that I ever did was 2,000 people at the River Cree Casino and that's outside of the city limits y yes of Edmonton Alberta uh-huh yeah just outside and I was really nervous and I felt like I was really out of my league it was a hard audience to gauge because they were very spread out. And when you have... You mean physically? Yeah, physically. And then when one section laughs and another one doesn't, you're like, oh, no, what am I doing? But when you re realize that one section might be 500 people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, interesting. And I got off stage and I, I felt disappointed. I knew I hadn't done some things right. I had a friend tell me that he's I... He's making the air quote when he says <laughs> friend. Who was particularly hard on me about the show, and so I never mentioned it after that. I didn't promote it. I didn't say anything about it. And it seemed like four or five years later, I'd met some people after Fort Scott Talent in Fort Saskatchewan. And you were in the men's washroom. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Just no. Well, that would have been funny. That would have been a sitcom. <laughs> but I, I was in the lobby and just uh, talking to people. And it's a really great community show, dancers and singers and musicians and one comedian. That's right. And uh, I was asking people how they enjoyed the show. I just, I like to schmooze a bit too. And, and they said, oh, wow, we really enjoyed it. And you were really funny. Comedian always likes to hear that. <laughs> just, mm -hmm. It's just a nice thing. You know, oh, thank you. And, uh, and uh, you know, I was asking them, you know, how they found out about the show, just trying to promote uh, Fort Scott Talent so we could get more people. And they, because uh, it's in a great theater there too. And they said, you know, we weren't going to come to the show, but then we saw that you were on the bill. Wow. And we saw you four years ago at the River Creek Casino, and we oh. thought you were hilarious. Oh, wow. And that's the only reason we came to the show. And I'm like, <gasps> wasn't as shitty as I thought. You know? <laughs> redemption, that's great. Yeah, it was that's redemption. Great. It was like, oh, yes, you know, and because I think most comedians are extra hard on themselves. Like, I, I would imagine a lot of performers, you know, whether you're a singer, yes. comedian, actor. Right. <laughs> Why didn't I do it that way? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What I think is most unique about you as a comedian is this kind of continuous feedback loop between you and the audience. You really let them in, and there's this energy that goes back and forth. And speaking as somebody who's been in the audience, it's really a joy to experience. Have you always had that openness, or did you develop it gradually? Very good question. No, I didn't. <laughs> I, 
I didn't have that in the beginning uh, for sure, but it was a long time developing. I think looking at other comedians and myself, I always thought interacting with the crowd achieves a lot of things. One, it seems more spontaneous, and like you just said, bringing them in. And I always admired guys who could do that, MCs and everything, and then I always strive for it. And so I'm always looking at it as an advantage. Even when somebody interrupts my show, I'm always looking at ways to incorporate it in. It really helps because instead of, I am comedian, you are audience, this is joke (laughs) one, laugh, okay, (laughs) joke two, laugh, joke three, laugh, okay, thank you, good night. It really helps and I I enjoy it and the crowd enjoys it because it it, it does wake them up because sometimes people do sort of get in this Oh, you're talking to us. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking to you. And then when you can make a joke or make them laugh about something they've done or somebody else, it's... I'll continue doing that so the more shows you come, you'll see more of that. Okay, okay. (laughs) In general, where do your ideas come from? And do you have a system for writing down all your ideas? You did make reference to the sacred notebook um, (laughs) and and developing them just to give us a sense of what that's like. Yeah, I do have a, a notebook that I, I have my set in, and I also, just as a, a writing tool, uh, I find a lot just generally writing free flow, thinking kind of opens up my imagination a bit. Mm. And from the Comedy Bible, there's sort of like a drawing um, exercise where you put the ideas down and then you just add things that are part of that story or simple details, mm-hmm. and then not worrying about making it funny right mm-hmm. away, but building that story in that environment. Mm-hmm. So I try that as well. Sometimes I'll get ideas, just thoughts in my head, and I have to write them down, otherwise I forget them. And yes, sometimes my friends and colleagues will say something that I find just hilarious and that I want to use. Even talking today, one of my colleagues, we were talking about giving him a hard time about a picture of him that made him look so sad and he said what Keanu Reeves said and I'm like whoa that's that's, that's pretty funny and of course if I use that he's gonna go well where's my commission they're like oh yeah here's your free pop man that's your commission on the joke and I look for things of course TV and politics sometimes things come about and I look at the odd things and try to make it funny paradoxes and weird things that people believe I make fun of Okay. Uh, And sometimes I get into trouble because I think I'm stepping on their religions or their opinions or, but I'm not. (laughs) Like I had a joke about Jehovah Witnesses and it wasn't really about Jehovah Witnesses, it was about me. Mm -hmm. And there was a guy in the front row and he said, well, I used to be a Jehovah Witness. I'm like, well, is it okay if I say it? And like, well, yeah. Uh, And then after the show, he says, it was odd. It was a nice guy. He came up to me and goes, I'm well-versed in the Bible. And I'm going, okay. <laughs> Bible throw down, you know, like, like John 2. No, you know, Paul, this, you know, I'm like, oh, all right, I thought you were okay. And one time there was a, a group in front as a, a family, and they were just talking to me, and they were saying, are you going to say anything dirty? Like about sex. And I'm like, well, yeah, this joke's about sex, you know. And 
we're adults, right? It's not crude. It's never crude, crude. It's just something goofy. And their grandmother was there. And these are all adults. And they go to protect their grandmother from the onslaught of my joke about sex and put her ha- hands over her ears almost. And I'm like, really? Do you think storks brought you here? <laughs> Do you think of all the people in this room who've had sex? Do you think grandma maybe had sex over the course of her life and has experienced that? I mean, like, yeah. of all the people who wouldn't be embarrassed about it, I think maybe your grandmother is probably going to be okay for this next set. <laughs> you know, that was just, it was just funny. I just, I just remember it and, and, you know. What is your intention for the way people receive your humor when it touches on areas that they might hold dear or be sensitive about? What's your intention for that? I just feel like I'm just poking them a little bit. (laughs) 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 I'm not trying to change their opinion or, or their religion, but I give them a little poke. And sometimes they have to catch up to what I'm doing mm-hmm. because I'll say something like I have a joke that I talk about bouncers at the bar and not letting drunk people inside, saying you're too drunk, you can't come inside, which is just seems crazy because all the sober people inside are going to complain. Right. And then I go to grocery stores and I say, isn't that like Safeway banning people because, and this is the word that always gets me in trouble if I say too big mm-hmm. or too fat there's a hush mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm not making fun of those people I'm making fun of the, the process and then but it, it's always seems very sensitive to people you know like just just a little word and and, and I feel it and then sometimes when I you know I kind of recover and pretend to be the bouncer you know I'm sorry I think you've had enough already mm-hmm. <laughs> and then people kind of laugh or they might be oh yeah. so you're trying to, to get them to laugh at stuff and not take things so seriously and yeah I did a show about I was in a church mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was doing a joke about my son getting in trouble mm-hmm. for calling another student in a wheelchair handicapped mm-hmm and it was a political correctness joke, right? You know, because you're supposed to call them special needs. And I go on from there. And he actually got detention. He actually got a detention yeah. for that, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like if he had... Well, if the joke is true anyway. Yeah, well, you know, yeah. so we take an artistic license, you know. <laughs> Let's have your son in here. <laughs> <laughs> Let's interview him. Well, is this Make really sure. true? Well, he's in Thailand right now, so... Okay. <laughs> um, but I, 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 there was somebody in the audience in a wheelchair and I looked at them and I said, do you think that's funny? And they said, yeah, it's funny. And I looked at everybody else and I said, this guy's laughing. It's okay for you to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> so that's... Interesting, interesting. In your opinion, what is the difference between being witty or funny in everyday life and being able to be a successful stand-up comedian? They're very different words. Witty is more intellectual. A stand-up comedian can be witty, but I feel our job is to be funny. Mm -hmm. And wherever that comes from, simple things, the crowd likes it. Um, So it doesn't come from the head, it comes more from your heart and from the whole being. Witty is like, this is witty. Listen, 
Sweetie, I'm the comedian. <laughs> you know, you're going down that stream again. And you can have witty things that'll connect. But if somebody hits me with a line that's funnier than what I was going to say, I will, and the crowd's laughing, I'll laugh with them. And I'll, and even to, you know, I'll, I'll write it down. And if it's really good, I'll use it the next one. Mm-hmm. And funny, it can be simple. It really runs the realm, you know, like somebody says something or, you know, the onion rings show up at a certain time or... The waitress says this, or... Oh, you mean in the club? In the club. <laughs> I had this joke about Hooters and the female equivalent being a place called Peckers. And it's kind of hokey. I pretend to be a Peckers waiter uh, with an accent and everything. And part of the gag is... To bring some ladies some onion rings and, of course, dancing. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and one night when I did that joke, oh, no. some onion rings showed up <laughs> at the front table. Oh, no. Okay. And it was it went over really well, but just the timing, because he said, oh, look, I have onion rings. And I said, I've done that joke for I don't know how many years. It's the first time I've had onion rings delivered to the table at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Is there something you'd like to try in your act that you haven't had a chance to do yet? I guess one thing, I'm one of those closet musicians, like I I have a guitar and I've played music, but I always thought it would be fun to kind of insert a song or just to play something nice in between. It's all part of the act. What kind of music do you play on your guitar? I have an acoustic guitar, and I, you know, I just I played old Beatles songs, and okay. and so I was thinking, you know, parody-wise, I might do something. And oddly enough, I haven't things like accents and impressions. Yeah, actually, my pecker's waiter has an accent, but I've always liked to use more of those and see where I can stretch my voice. You know. Oh, okay. It's really weird. People will call me on the accents. I'll have this joke about Peckers. It's like, why is he Swedish? I'm like, why shouldn't he be Swedish? (laughs) (laughs) Are you saying something about Swedish men? Yeah, I'm like, what? And then the the safe way with the bouncers and the bouncer, why does the bouncer have a British accent? Why doesn't he have a British (laughs) accent? And like, what is your point? You know about other jokes with bouncers in front of Safeway and they don't have a British accent? Is there, is there some manual about this? You yes, know, like Somewhere somebody's writing a, a master's thesis about it, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, British is not funny. <laughs> it's not funny. It got a laugh. I'm like, oh, what are you... <laughs> interesting, interesting. Thank you so much, Tim. You're welcome. It's been lots of fun. Yeah, it was fun. That's all the time that we have for today. You listeners, if you have other thoughts about comedy that you would like to share with Tim, or you have questions for Tim or suggestions for the Nervous Comic Podcast, you can write to Tim at nervouscomic at gmail.com. And if you're in Alberta, BC or Saskatchewan and you'd like to see Tim perform live, you can check out his website at nervouscomic.com. You can also like his Facebook page at 
www.facebook.com forward slash nervous comic. Goodbye and see you next time. See ya.